They say money can't buy you happiness, but love isn't free. Welcome to The Cost of Love. In this series, we'll be chatting about the sacrifices, attitudes, highs and lows, as well as the emotional and material price we pay for love. Looking through a child's eyes, you think love is all butterflies and rainbows. But as you grow up, you start to realise that love comes with a little bit more of a price tag. Over the next five episodes, we'll unpack that there's more to love than meets the eye. Whether it's societal expectations, cultural barriers, financial pressure or just wishful thinking. I'm Kamina. And I'm Kate. And you're listening to The Cost of Love. Brought to you by the New Zealand Broadcasting School. Welcome back to The Cost of Love. This is our third episode. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> so in this episode, we're going to be taking a look at relationships, how they crumble, and the slightly darker side of them. It happens, so yep. it's all worth taking a look into. Um, we're also going to be taking a look into how you can be safe in your relationships, safe online, looking at boundaries and communicating with your partners, things like that. Well put, Kate. We started off with a two-part interview with Liz from Couples Counselling Christchurch, and she cites emotionally focused therapy for couples as the backbone to her practice. And I came out of that conversation with her having a lot of reflective thoughts, and hopefully you will feel the same way too. What is it that makes somebody want to cheat when in an otherwise committed relationship? My first thought that comes to my mind around being unfaithful is that being unfaithful in a relationship is not necessarily a deal breaker. It's not ideal, it's not a good idea, but it doesn't have to be the end of a relationship. In fact, some really strong relationships can come out of a partner straying or being unfaithful. Contrary to popular belief, um, there's a very high success rate of relationship surviving affairs between 60 and 70%. And couples where there is an affair or has been a betrayal of some sort, there are two parties involved, like the, the primary couple. Mm-hmm. So maybe they've got stuck in a cycle or a pattern that isn't working and so it creates some vulnerability in the relationship. Mm, So it's quite different and individual for those reasons. Yeah, there's Mm. no one reason actually. I think it would be really difficult to put it in a box and say if you do this, this and this then this won't happen. Yeah, I think think it's it's complex. Relationships are complex. Mm. They're not simple. And we come into relationships broken we're broken people, you know, mm. we have things that happen to us in life and we go into relationships as broken people. I don't mean that we are neurotic or messes, but you know, we have things and some of those things can get played out in our relationships. Why are we more easily taken advantage of when we're led to believe that we're the centre of somebody's world? I think we all run the risk of being hurt In fact, it's inevitable that we will be hurt in relationships. That just goes without saying. When you love someone, you open yourself up to being hurt. There's no way around that. Mm. Even in a a long-term committed relationship, inadvertently, you're going to hurt each other. I I don't think that can be really avoided. Around people being used, we live in an age where nothing is binary, even relationships. 
So there's lots of different definitions of relationships now, polyamory, open relationships, they're kind of similar but not the same. I think the big thing is to be really clear about what the boundaries are around this relationship. So what does it mean for each of you to be in this relationship? What does being faithful mean to you and to you? What are the rules of this relationship? So I think maybe being really clear about what your boundaries are and what the other person's boundaries are and if you feel the relationship is shifting from being casual to something more for you, I think you need to be really overt around what that might mean for you. And if the other person isn't buying into that, then don't go there because mm. you're going to get hurt. So that was the first part of my interview with Liz. What were your biggest takeaways from that first half, Kate? I think what she said about um, 60 to 70% of couples work it out after they've had someone's been cheated on, I didn't think it would be that high. I kind of think myself, I go, if someone cheats on me, you know, screw them, that's it, the relationship's over. Mm. But I, And I think that's more of a pride thing, I think, because I'm trying to be this strong, independent woman. And <laughs> I think <laughs> if someone cheats on me and I stay with them, I view myself as weak. So in my head, I've always got this thing that if someone cheats on me, that's it, it's done, it's over. But actually working it out and talking to them about it is might be the better option in some situations. Yep. I do just you, don't think it's worth throwing away your whole relationship over something that might be actually quite silly. Do you reckon you'd still hold the same opinion, say, if the person you're with is actually a repeat offender in terms of cheating? Probably not, but I think... <laughs> If it was just a one-time thing or it wasn't that big of a deal, now I would be more inclined to forgive them. Whereas before this, I think I just kind of had a blanket. If they cheat on me, screw them, that's it, it's done. Mm, and as we chatted before, it's also a spectrum in terms of what's acceptable, what's crossing the line mm. and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely a spectrum of cheating. <laughs> um, what was your biggest takeaway from that little bit there? Um, my biggest takeaway from that was, uh, well Liz actually touches on this a little bit more in depth later on, but that relationships are complex and there's no one size fits all. There's no one specific reason why somebody will cheat on you or why this happens or why that happens. So they're complex and mm. no relationship is same to the person or the couple standing beside you. Yeah, and communication is key. You can't expect someone to know when your boundary has been crossed if you haven't communicated what your boundary is. For sure. And every time you go into another relationship, you need to communicate those boundaries because, yeah, cheating is a spectrum and people are going to feel it differently. Yeah, everyone's going to be different, have differing opinions as to what they think cheating is. All right, let's get into the second part of this. Do you say that relationships are more difficult to navigate in today's world and information age? Or will relationships always remain to be complex? Well, I think relationships are complex, yep. It's the most vulnerable thing that we do. And in the process of that, as I mentioned before, we open ourselves up to being hurt. We open ourselves up to loss. So I, I think relationships are complex, but beautiful at the same time. So I think there's always risk in loving someone, but there's risk in not loving someone as well. How do you know if you can trust the person who says they love you? Mm. 
These sound like questions coming from a broken heart. <laughs> well, this is kind of what the episode is focusing on. Mainly sort of around the theme of if you've been hurt, can you love again sort of thing. Oh yeah, you can. You can love again. Um, it's, you know, it'll take time. Broken hearts, they take time to heal when we've loved and then when we've lost, that, that takes a lot of recovery. Mm. It's not going to happen easily. And I think one of the problems actually is that people don't allow themselves time to heal. So they'll be in a relationship and, and again, one size does not fit all, but um, they'll be in a relationship for a long period of time or a period of time and that relationship might break up and then they move right into the next one. Whereas a lot of the a lot of the research around separation is to allow yourself at least two years space to recover and learn to be an I again. Now that for some people might seem like, whoa, that's a long time. And and it doesn't, you know, like I said, it's just a guide. It's not necessarily this is what you have to do, but I think when you leave one relationship, you're going to carry wounds with you into every relationship that you go into. And so I think you really need to allow space for for relation for that to heal so that you can move into your next relationship feeling like you've left the last one behind, not mm. taking it with you. But your question was, um, how can you be sure that the person who says that they love you, love you? I don't know. I don't know if that question is... I don't know. How do I know that the man I've been with for 40 years loves me? After a period of time, it becomes my experience of him. My experience of him tells me that he loves me. How did I know that he loved me to start with? I just had to trust and you know driven by hormones and other things I just had to trust that he what he said was what he meant well that concludes the second part of our interview with Liz did you have any other comments or thoughts about that all of that Carmina I really liked what Liz had to say in terms of that time aspect when we come out of a relationship, giving ourselves time to grieve and move on properly rather than just jump into a random relationship as soon as you can just because you can't stand to be single. And I think about the associates I have, people I know, people I don't really know, but there are a good number of them out there that are very quick to move on, but it's superficial in a sense. You know, you're moving on on the outside, but on the inside. Have your emotions really recovered? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I saw something on Twitter the other day and I thought I'd read it out because it's very fitting for, Go for this it. topic. You can leave a toxic relationship, but if you don't hear what attracted you to them, you'll meet them again. Same demon, just in a different person. And I just think that's so true. If you don't heal yourself, you're just going to bring all of that baggage to the next relationship with you and then that's not going to be very healthy either. That's right. Tis better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Those were the words of Alfred Lloyd Tennyson. But can we give our hearts away again when it's brought us tears as it has joy? I took to the Christchurch Central Streets to see what both the singletons and the loved up made of this. Are you in or out of love? In love. I would say I'm out of love. I am in love. 
I'm in love with someone who just dumped me. You've heard me say it before, that love isn't all butterflies and rainbows, but how could I be so sure? So, I put the question to those in love. What are two words to describe the reality of your relationship? Perfect? Nerdy? True happiness. It's challenging. Arguably, having a love in your life isn't the one direct key to happiness, as we've just heard. But why do we feel uncomfortable with prolonged singleness? Psychology Today stated we don't like being single for predominantly societal reasons associated to status and social judgment. And in a variety of cultures, the pressure to find and wed the one is still high. But how does Aotearoa fit into this? Well, Statistics New Zealand's numbers pointed towards a bit of a national man drought seven years ago, with a ratio of around 80 single men to 100 single women. A gap most felt in urbanised spots of the country, such as in Christchurch's Avon Loop area with nearly two-thirds more single men than women. With that said, most of you personally felt okay about being your own person for the long haul. How would you feel about long-term singleness? Fine. It's a good thing. That's fine. But with nearly half of the Kiwi population in legally registered relationships, I can hear somebody asking, why am I single? And for plenty of us, we have honest reasons. Why are you single? I think just focusing on myself. My boyfriend of four years cheated on me. In spite of how you feel about being your own person, for those of you who want to love again, couples offered me a gospel of hope. Can we love again after failed relationships? Absolutely. It is definitely possible. Yeah, definitely. What's your advice to people who haven't found the love of their life yet? Keep trying and don't be afraid to be single. Don't give up. You just got to keep looking. That's really interesting about the Mandra. I guess that would be due to the earthquakes and the influx of tradies in the city. I suppose that the disproportionate numbers would be exacerbated as well, as you said, with the tradies and whatnot coming in. All right. Um, what's next? The pack, the... Do you want to introduce yet? Yeah, you yep, go. that's <laughs> right. I had an interview with Dr. Natalia de Souza from Massey University, and she's also on the NetSafe board. So that was quite an informative chat just to ask and find out about how we can be safe online, what the risks are. So enjoy. Awesome. What are the primary dangers and risks when we start socially networking and communicating with strangers online, especially when we go beyond the professional or platonic realms? Yeah, sure. Well, there's a number of sort of dangers um, when you're engaging online and engaging in risky behaviours in particular. And what I mean by that is giving out, you know, your personal information, whether that's your things like your date of birth or your mum's maiden name or credit card details, that kind of thing that could be used to hack into your account or um, used against you in some way, even if you're sending sort of images um, and then if you think long term, sort of down the track, if these behaviours and if this information does get on out online, then um, there is a potential to, for this information to maybe jeopardise your current job or even future career prospects as well. So there's that saying, the internet never forgets. And essentially, that's something that we need to be aware of when we're putting out um, or communicating with strangers online. Why are abusive or problematic things so easily said or done from behind a screen rather than in person? <laughs> um, so one uh, sort of phenomenon that is underlying all of this is what we call online disinhibition. Basically what that means is that I'm protected by a screen and I'm sort of removed 
a little bit socially behind the screen. And so what that means is I might say things or do things uh, online that I wouldn't necessarily do in person. Because there's no filter, people might maybe engage in abusive behaviors or say things that are more problematic online. But on the other hand, people might also feel more comfortable sharing stuff and oversharing things about them that they wouldn't necessarily do so in person. Um, and if we think about it, there's also like, I'm less aware of the impact that my words are having online because I can't see the other person's facial expressions. I can't see what kind of day they've had. I can't get contextual cues. So I'm putting this out there. There's very little to hold me accountable for my behaviors. And so you kind of almost learn, particularly if you're doing this anonymously, you kind of learn that you can get away with saying things online with no repercussions. Do we need to think twice before we send sensitive or private content over social platforms like Snapchat and Messenger? Yeah, I would absolutely think twice, three times even, uh, because just because there's several points of risk in sending someone that's particularly sensitive information on social platforms. You know, we need to be aware of the fact that some data is being stored on these platforms and, you know, how long for and what information is then being shared with third parties. And I know this is something that I'd say 99% of us are guilty of is not reading the terms and conditions. I mean, I certainly have clicked, you know, I agree without actually reading it, but we just need to be cognizant of the fact that um, things aren't as secret and aren't as secure as we would like to or hope to believe that they are. I don't know if you've heard, but I remember seeing last year somewhere online that you know those Facebook quizzes that you do and it's like, oh, what's your stripper name or whatever? Yep. And then it asks you to enter your mother's maiden name or then your first pet or the street you grew up on or whatever. Those quizzes are all just ploys to get you to put those that information into the out into the world because oh, no. your maiden name and your first pet are quite often security questions that oh, you get. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, so just uh, be wary if you ever come across <laughs> something like that because that's probably what it's for. Yeah, and sort of in that same light, I came across a press release from NetSafe earlier in the year. So if you're worried about yourself coming across romance shams online, well... It's not just you who's at risk. Your wealthy mum in Auckland is in danger. So the typical romance scam is usually involving a female victim from Auckland and aged between 41 and 64. And in between 2018 to 2019, there was a remarkable 55% increase in the number of reports to NetSafe. Um, involving romance scams with a financial loss component. And the average was over 30 grand per victim. So all up for all of the romance scams throughout New Zealand between 2018 and 2019, the total loss was 4.1 million. Holy, that is so much money. It is. It's scary to see how, because you always think, oh, that would never be me that would get into that situation. But then (laughs) you never know. And oh, that's very scary. It's a worry. (laughs) Okay, we're back at the flat with the girls. I have Georgina, Kahu and Alia with me again. Thank you for joining me, girls. Hello. Hello again. Thank you for having us. What red flags did you ignore in past relationships? (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) I ignored the Ask FM anonymous chats of people going, your boyfriend cheated on you. (laughs) 
What did you say back to them? I just um, ignored it. I said I was bullying. (laughs) (laughs) Some bully, eh? Hey, your boyfriend cheated on you. (laughs) Anybody else have any red flags? I ignored them cutting me off from my friends and for like when I went to go hang out with my friends like asking them to stay with me rather than going out with my friends yeah isolation yeah Big I got isolated too in my first relationship mm. it's hard though because you're not going to listen to your friends you're not going to be like if your friend's telling you your boyfriend's a dick but you're in love with them then you're obviously just going to be like no you're a dick <laughs> <laughs> I ignored the red flags that my friends saw that I didn't yeah mm-hmm. yeah what is your biggest relationship deal breaker lack of communication yeah, mine would definitely be lack of communication as well. I feel like I don't actually know my deal breakers yet. When I'm starting to talk to someone new or I'm with someone new, I learn with that new person, like, oh, okay, the last person did this and now I'm finding I don't like it. So that's becoming more of a deal breaker, but not so much a deal breaker, just like a, I need to say this so that they can change mm. or I'm going to get on out. Are there acceptable and unacceptable forms of revenge? I don't think that any <clears throat> form of physical revenge is a way to resolve anything in life. So, no. yeah. Like I said the other day, I think the best form of revenge is just bettering yourself. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And it's kind of a win-win. But, hey, I'm also going to put on Carrie Underwood before he cheats and yell that to the top of my lungs about keying someone's car, but I'm never actually going to do it. But I'll walk around with a key in my hand like I'm going to. Yeah, and I'll huff and I'll puff, but, like, nothing will happen. <laughs> I'll tell my friends that I'm going to do it, but sometimes you say <laughs> things that you just don't mean. <laughs> Do you think daddy issues are real and have an impact on how people behave in relationships or do you think people use them as an excuse? Yes, I think they're real. I think it's an excuse. I think some, not every single person who's got daddy issues Mm. has issues in relationships, but some people I think tend to not trust men as Mm. much. I think that every past relationship will affect your new relationships and I think if you've had trauma in any type of relationship whether it's a past relationship or whether it's a um with your siblings or with your parents I think it can definitely affect especially from a young age I think it will always affect your future relationships friendships etc but I think that people definitely do use them as an excuse and I think mummy and daddy issues are really ingrained problems that not many people could recognise without actually looking into the psychology behind them. Mm. They shouldn't dictate your relationship or yeah. how you behave in a relationship. Yeah. Like, you, yeah, you might have issues, but you can't just be like, oh, I have issues. You're going to deal and with you, it. And I'm just going to treat you like shit yeah. because I have issues. So you have to, like, yeah. constantly work on them. Yeah. Which is probably much easier said than done. Yeah. <clears throat> but here I am, 21 years old, doing a podcast advising people to deal with their daddy issues. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that was a pretty heavy episode, wasn't it, coming It was a bit different from our usual, but it was a place well worth going, I'd say. Yes, definitely. I learned a lot of things this week. What was your number one takeaway? My number one takeaway, oh, goodness me, I feel as though I'm riding a very reflective train at the moment. Yes, me too. Um, as stated, it was quite an, an informative episode, so there's quite a bit to work through and just sort of mull over. 
as time goes by. Yeah, my number one takeaway was just seeing how, well, hearing about how much you carry your baggage and your emotional trauma through life with you and how important it is to work on it before you move into another relationship Mm. because then you're going to put that on somebody else as well but yeah what's coming up next week (laughs) next week well i can't tell you too much as it always goes you've got to stick around and stay tuned but i will tell you at this stage that we'll be unpacking the impacts and influences of shifting culture and society on relationships so it's a bit of a look over the shoulder at the past as well as attempting to pinpoint where we're at and where we're going Hmm, very interesting. Fascinating. (laughs) Okay, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you guys next week on the Cost of Love podcast. Bye. See ya.